Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaking. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, boy wonder, I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusader. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gato, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. I'm your host, Stella, and this is Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast, Episode 73 for January, MMXIV. Episode 73 is brought to you by this sponsor. Hey, kid, you want a toy? Uh huh, uh huh. How about a bike? No. A video game? Well, okay. You pick a toy. Hmm, I want... Log! Boy, oh boy! Yes, Log. All kids love Log. What rolls downstairs, a motor and pairs, rolls over your neighbor's dog. What's great for a snack, and fits on your back, it's Log, Log, Log. It's Log, Log. It's big, it's heavy, it's wood. Backroll to Oracle is also brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. 
Examples of the prices you may encounter are March's back row number 29 and Birds of Prey number 29, both for $2.69. So if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out milehighcomics.com. Finally, Backroll Oracle is brought to you by TweakedAudio.com. High performance, noise reducing earbuds. Purchasers who use the code TBUSAVES get 33% off the whole order plus free worldwide shipping. TweakedAudio.com, plug in, turn up the volume, and give us a try. Well, as I look out uh, my window at the, the snow that is coming down here, uh, I just have to reflect that it's been a while and since we've had a, a regular quote-unquote uh, episode like this, just uh, by myself, by my lonesome. And I think, you know, I start to realize how lonesome it sort of is to podcast by yourself once, you know, you've been filled with... Uh, just laughter and craziness like I did uh, the past two episodes. I hope you enjoyed the anniversary show. Again, you know, just thanks for sticking with this for four years. And, of course, I think you can certainly tell how much fun Donovan and, and Josh and I had uh, since there are about 30 minutes of bloopers on either of those episodes. <sighs> but, but you know, we're back here in the in the, uh, the regular, the regularity, I guess, of the of the show. Um, and, and just looking forward, you can obviously expect in February a Shipper Spotlight episode or Shipper Special uh, that I always do with, with Donovan. And, and no one's going to replace him on that uh, unless our friendship sort of dissolves away. We'll continue doing that, and, and hopefully he can stay on and, and do a regular episode as well. Uh, it's just great to have somebody's outside opinions on a show as well. And yes, you know, I do sort of go back and forth on whether I should get a an accomplice on this thing. But who knows? You know, I think it's going strong nevertheless, and, and I, I think it's good to have occasional co-hosts and everything. But I guess there's a reason why people keep tuning in, so I guess I'll just keep doing it a, a solo event until, you know, I'm really ready and, and, and time to move on. I do have some comments uh, from the, the past couple shows uh, from episode 69 from Glenn. Uh, he writes, uh, Stella and Tom, I'm guessing that you have, but if you haven't, you must seek out Batman the Brave and the Bold episode, Bat Might Presents Batman's Strangest Cases. It has a great Batman Scooby segment written by the great Paul Dini, celebrating all the silliness you guys highlighted in your commentary. Love the show. Well, thanks for writing in, Glenn. Thanks for following along. Um, that commentary that, that Tom and I did was, was certainly a lot of fun. You know, I don't specifically remember that episode. Uh, I do remember the Batmite episodes, but not, not necessarily that particular segment, so I'll probably have to check that out again. Just overall, Batman the Brave and the Bold was a great series. I know that a lot of people gave it, you know, a bad rap because uh, they want their Batman to be dark, and, and they, they didn't really like the silliness, but, you know, I think that it certainly had its serious moments. I certainly remember uh, the Doom Patrol dying, which I thought, oh my gosh, what has just happened? But it was just really fun to watch. You know, the, the first six or so minutes was always a little short on perhaps a, uh, a lesser known group or person. I remember some crazy war stories and I thought, oh man, this is awesome. And, and the last boy, uh, commandy and, and and all this stuff and then of course they had the main segment it was just great to see batman teaming up with different people and of course yes i remember batmite and especially batmite in that that final episode but i, I really do recommend batman the brave and the bold for any any batman fan because i think you just you got to go in just like you know super best friends forever you got to go in these things with with a an open mind and not really think about other things uh, other versions you got to 
just go in without those those sort of things weighing in on you. Uh, also, Donovan, he writes in about episode 70, and he says he loves, loves, loves the Filmation Batman series. It works well as an audio drama, too. Hope to hear more of it. I love your voices for Batman and Robin from the Batgirl novel. Hilariously <laughs> disrespectful. So much fun. Oh, well, Donovan, uh, you know, thanks for writing in. You know, it's great to hear from you after you betrayed us all on FTBU. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, yeah, the I love watching the Batman filmation i'm glad you wrote in and said that it works as an audio drama drama because i had wondered whether or not i should sort of scrap that because it's difficult to listen to it and everything but i think since it's so short it's great to put it on there because i couldn't really do that with the 20 minute uh batman you know live action series so i'm glad that it works and y'all yeah, continue with uh reading with stella you know it's tough for me to like you think i'd be really excited about reading with stella but it's sort of the hardest segment to record for me um it seems to just take the longest time and the most energy for me so that's like the one segment each episode that i actually dread <laughs> and i just sort of want to skip it but you know i started it and and i gotta finish that book so I'll, I'll keep doing it for sure uh and you know if you want to continue to hear donovan um and his wonderful voice y- you can always catch him on the next dimension the dragon ball z podcast and he's basically the head i i think i could say of the different commentaries on uh animated episodes that he's been doing over at the batman universe and i've been on a couple of those and then he more often than not is also on uh, collected the Batman or TBU collected whatever that podcast series is called and Ed I guess we could say is sort of in charge of that but it always seems like it's Ed Donovan and myself and we've certainly had uh, Christina Collins on as well but it seems like the three of us are um, mostly the ones that continually are on there and I love collected just because we're not only examining uh, recently issued graphic novels but reissued ones and now we've also started looking back at other graphic novels or stories that maybe came out a little while ago but but just great stories that can get people interested in and we just did batman ego and that for me was a story that i've actually never read nor heard of and it was great to look at that and it's one of donovan's personal favorites and so it's great for you know a batman fan that loves these stories and wants to hear more about them and a discussion about it and it's also great for new readers or readers that perhaps aren't as boned up on batman mythology and things like that like I am so I'd certainly suggest checking those out at the Batman universe uh, my final writer inner <laughs> my my person who's writing in here Mike and you know I was looking at my email and the subject is baby come back and I see this and I'm like oh no it's spam well, what's this about and uh, well obviously it's about some pod but he says uh, I need your podcast in my life and Mike you know I hope you meant to write to Batgirl the Oracle and it wasn't really dust in the Batman universe but I do appreciate uh, the fact that you need and and you've accepted this need of my podcast and well here I am so here we are we're back and uh, hopefully we'll we'll continue keeping on so before I get into reviews I just have to say that I am skipping two different stories uh, where Babs appeared of course but it's one of those hey she's appearing but she's not really going to do anything and and it's just sort of her figure so two of these Batman uh, 346 and the title was Half a Hero and Detective 513 is better than none just sort of 
her appearance. I mean, there's nothing that I can really go on there, and and for me, that's it's it's not really as worth it. But I'm glad actually I skipped those because I'm I'm starting into a four-part story about lady viper and uh just from these two issues that i'm gonna do and then of course it'll split and the last two will be in february it seems like an awesome story and hopefully if you guys are following and reading along you think so as well so let's just get into it first up we have detective comics number four five fourteen how sharper than a serpent's tooth the issue date was may 1982 writer carrie burkett Pensor Jose Delbo, Inker Joe Giella, Letterer Phil Felix, Colors Tom Zuko. Also in this issue is Haven, and this was reprinted in Best of DC number 35, and it features Batman and Maxi Zeus. Batgirl swings by a carnival with a man shouting about a snake woman. She passes over it, reflecting how she dislikes carnivals and snakes. The announcer, Conrad, sees Batgirl and wishes she were in his show, since the snake woman is a fake and he's been stealing her profits for months. Suddenly, his legs are wrapped with a tail, and he is pulled under the tent by the snake woman. And she's actually really a snake woman now, calling herself Lady Viper, Queen of the Serpents. She has had enough of his thievery and bites him. Babs goes back to her uh, father's place, where she is temporarily staying, and the next day goes to work where Doreen tells her about this weird uh, vampire attack, which of course was the snake attack that I just mentioned. Now, Bob Barton does something shocking, and he makes a jerky comment. He then gets a letter that makes him unsettled, and he runs off, and that's really all we get as readers. Babs ignores this, and she goes to the city morgue as Batgirl in order to get a good look at the body. Meanwhile, Lady Viper goes to the mansion of Alan Trotter with some snakes, changes back into a full woman because staying in her snake form for too long would be detrimental, apparently. She hypnotizes Alan and steals the snake idol of ancient Babylon. Well, just looks like she's Catwoman, but for snakes. Since Batgirl recognized the Barker at the morgue, a.k.a. Conrad, she goes to the carnival where she saw him, goes into the tent, sees some empty snake cages, turns around, and is met with the frightening visage of Lady Viper, who threatens to devour the Queen of the Bats, to be continued. Uh, But before I go on to that next issue, just have some comments about this one. Uh, I love that Babs has something in common with Indiana Jones, and just that she hates snakes. And I think I'll always remember, you know, especially in Raiders when he falls down, that pit and he's covered by snakes i was shocked to see that babs doesn't really like carnivals she calls them a mad meaningless bombardment of lights and noise but i wondered you know what is the difference between a circus and a carnival didn't she visit kathy kane and and wasn't she running a carnival or would you consider that circus and of course she's good friends with dick grayson who was in a circus So I did do some research about carnivals and circuses. So a circus refers to an event by a group of professional entertainers comprised of jugglers, acrobats, stuntmen, and clowns who usually travel from state to state in order to gain popularity in a wide range of locations. They often have trained animals as well as enticing props that can grab the attention of the audience and provide entertainment. A circus is usually held inside a large circular tent or ring set up outdoors. But a carnival is a festival that is held in a in tribute of a particular religious, historical, or cultural figure. It involves a lot of amusement rides, stalls that sell toys, candies, and other attractive trinkets, as well as entertaining shows. A carnival may cover a large space outdoors in which the crowd can walk along to choose their desired form of entertainment. 
So, yeah, a circus is indoors, basically, carnival outdoors, really spread out. So I would say that Kathy Kane was, in fact, running a carnival, and I'm wondering why Babs would not have any problem visiting her often there. So I'm just wondering when, when all of this sort of, uh, this hatred of carnivals start. How wonderful that the bad guy tells us in his own thought bubble what sort of bad stuff he's been doing. And, you know, how else would we know that someone was shady, of course, unless he let it known. And uh, it's as if, you know, the sneak woman, of course, recognizes or could hear his thoughts. And then that moment, you know, he, she drags him under. I, I do wonder why doesn't anyone say anything when Connor gets pulled under the tent by giant snake tail. I mean, at moments before, there were all these people crowded around that stage as he was shouting. I do like that they're actually referencing what happened with the biker gang in the previous issues that Babs had to move in with her father while her apartment was getting worked on. Uh, and now her father is jobless. And this is sad, and unfortunately we don't get any more explanation of that. So hopefully you've been following along like I haven't. Uh, I'm surprised Babs doesn't think about some of the vampires that the Bat family has encountered when Doreen gives her this sort of false information, especially Man-Bat. Uh, I feel like that could certainly be a logical place to start the investigation. The reaction with Bob Barton when he received the letter was interesting, but of course, we don't get anything more, and it doesn't happen in the next issue, folks, so when is that going to start clearing up? So if Gordon is no longer the commissioner, how does Babs gain such easy access in the morgue? Remember that previous to this, uh, really she was using her father's keys to get into places. Um, she also recognizes Conrad from uh, when she passed by the carnival, and, and I don't really believe this that much since she, she was quite a distance away. It's a difference when she's swinging and he can see her silhouette until that's back girl, but her, I feel like she wouldn't recognize his features. And then I'm also wondering what the power set of Lady Viper is. You know, she can change into a part snake. Snakes listen to her, and she can hypnotize people. Do you think that's too much or just not believable? But I guess we'll find out when we hear more about her backstory. You know, I'm thinking about uh, Gordon right now. If you're following along with Arrow on, I was going to call it the WB, but the CW, which is an awesome show. I love it. Th this sort of reminds me of... Uh, detective lance who was really high and then he just like he keeps getting like demoted because of the stuff that keeps happening to him so it just sort of reminded me of that so the next part part two of this story is in detective comics 515 in the coils of the serpent the cover date was june 1982 writer again carrie burkett penciler jose delbo inker jojiella letter phil felix and colors tom zuko also in this issue is college for killers which features batman and the academy of crime which seems like we pick up a lot in batman so batgirl is confused how such a creature exists as she is being pulled toward viper she goes with the force and the force of the pulling that is and headbutts viper she gets away briefly but is cornered by some snakes and then attacked again by viper who wraps her in her coils as the coils begin to tighten batgirl asks for viper origin. Viper explains that even as a young girl, she had a connection with snakes that others did not understand, even while she worked in the carnival. In the off-season of the shows, they toured through European countries, and it was there that she found a snake woman statue which, when powered by the moon, granted powers to Viper, giving her complete control over snakes. Sort of reminds me of that episode in Spider-Man the Animated Series with Vulture and trying to get younger, all those things. Anyways, uh, she waited until her she adjusted to her powers, and then 
struck the show barker who had cheated her. As the story wraps up, Batgirl fidgets enough to get a laser from her utility belt, and she cuts Viper enough for her to loosen her coils, but before she lets go, she bites Batgirl's neck. Batgirl throws some smoke pellets more to annoy and distract than disable. Viper and her snakes leave, so mission accomplished. Batgirl considers not going after her because she really doesn't want to fight her again, but decides that she must. But she's too tired. <sighs> because the Viper's poison is getting to her, so she decides to take a nap. Aha! Uh -huh. Next up, sleep while the serpent smiles. So it's interesting that Batgirl says she's seen a lot of strange things, but cannot believe such a creature exists. I feel like, you know, you just sort of file it away, man. Like, oh, well, obviously, in this world that I live in with a man bat, there's obviously got to be a man snake. I don't know if I would be as shocked. I think it would be like, shock for a moment, and then, you know, just move on. I like how the little snakes distract and come after Babs, and then Lady Viper actually is able to latch around Batgirl, but then, you know, just quickly falls apart. You know, Batgirl wants to know who Viper is, how she came to be, etc. Why does it even matter? Even Viper says and realizes that this is just delaying the inevitable. But then, why would it matter if someone hears a story when she's going to just wind up dead? But this just always seems like, oh, this is the thing. You know, you ask about, why are you doing this? What's the point? Tell me about yourself. It's like a date. But you're about to die in the end. And it always works, because I guess apparently villains are all egomaniacs. Basically, what I learned, you know, from her backstory, if I were to summarize this, is that she's a parcel mouth, and she's in House Slytherin. I mean... Case closed. All we just need is Harry Potter, and we'll be done with this story. But, you know, it is nice to find out about her story, I think, in the second issue, rather than rushing into it in the beginning, because I think it would have just been information overload. I like that uh, Viper had the same thoughts on carnival at carnivals as Babs, but she kept with it in order to get what she wanted. If the moon gives the Egyptian snake statue powers, how has it not affected anyone else? I mean, she certainly would not have been the first person to look at it, right? I like that it was explained that Viper bided her time until she got used to her powers. Uh, it would be weird if she just got it and used her powers right away. I'm not sure what I think about Babs being able to wiggle free of the snake coils enough to get her utility belt or get to her utility belt. Obviously, I love that there was a purpose to de the delay, as there always is, and I like that she was innovative, but surely Viper could have felt the movement of her hands. Still, Batgirl is intelligent. She uses the lasers and the smoke pellets and gets away, so good thinking there. So then Viper goes off. Batgirl's okay with that for, you know, the first time, thinking she doesn't really want to face her again, but she realizes, obviously, that she's a hero. She must. There's a duty. With great power comes great responsibility. But then she gets tired, and she decides to sleep. Um, shouldn't she realize that there's something wrong? She has not once, once mentioned in this ending that I got bit. She hasn't gotten her neck checked out. I'm a little concerned about that. So, you know, the question is, does the poison kill or is it going to do something else? Because I think it was a little ambiguous with how Lady Viper ended it. So while this story, you know, does have some flaws, as all stories do, really, I, I think this is a pretty interesting story and, and pair of issues that I've uh, read so far. I'm happy that we have a villain that continues for more than two issues and it's actually worth it. But I do wonder what the end game is going to be. What is going to be Lady Viper's purpose? How's Becker going to get back into the game? Uh, so actually, yeah, I'm enjoying this. I, I can't wait for the, the next two uh, parts and the last two parts. And hopefully it'll 
all come together well. I feel like the last time we've had sort of a a longer story with a villain was Voodoo, and I wasn't really that enthusiastic about it, so this is great. So I'm going to give it 8 out of 10 bats. Okay, well, when I come back, I'm going to review Batgirl 26, and this is the end of the, the Batgirl murderer saga. So let's see how it ends. And Birds of Prey, number 26. But now we've got Zias' Radio Hour, and it's featuring It's Not Over by Daughtry. Check you later. I was blown away. What could I say? It all seemed to make sense. You're taking away everything, and I can't deal with that. I try to see the good in life, but good things in life are hard to find. We'll blow it away, blow it away. Can we make this something?
welcome back. So, oh man, am I gonna like this Batgirl? Am I gonna like how it ends? I don't know, I'll have to wait and see, but let's get into it. Batgirl number 26, Batgirl, Murderer, Part 3, Ambush. Writer Gail Simone, Pencils, Daniel Sampierre, Inker, Jonathan Galapion, Colorist, Blonde. Batgirl's narration gets us up to speed as the disgraced have Gordon outnumbered and ready to lose a few fingers. Batgirl makes an, a grand entrance by bursting through the front window on her cycle, sporting not one, not two, but three utility belts. She takes care of Gretel with some mini batterings and Mirror slash Gretel again with a concussive battering. Gordon wants to call him back up, but Batgirl explains that there is a jammer blocking everything for blocks. She offers him one of her belts, but he doesn't take it, and asks why he should even trust her. Batgirl flashes to a shot, uh, Ricky bleeding out, and, she, well, she asks uh, the same of Gordon. Touche. Bonebreaker calls Nightfall with an update, and Nightfall takes it as good news, since now the murder of Gordon can be pinned on Batgirl. Meanwhile, Gordon leads Batgirl to the basement, where he has tools of his own. Nightfall calls Bleak Michael and tells him that under no circumstances is Gordon to stay alive, and if his comrades fail, to burn the house with them in it. Gonna burn your house down. Batgirl tells Gordon that she can't take all the disgrace on her own, but Gordon has some surprises of her own. Batgirl throws some concussive batterings and blows the door to the basement, also knocking the power out. Batgirl has speed, confusion, and surprise on her side. She uses each of the disgraced and the small quarters against them. Gordon gets outside and catches Michael off guard while he is still on the phone, knocking him out with a nightstick and shining a mini bat signal into the sky. Nightfall is still listening and realizes this is a lost cause and calls the disgraced away. They leave, carrying their fallen members, and Bonebreaker says she's proud of how Babs has grown into a badass. Batgirl wants to go after them, but Gordon tells her not to press her luck. Then he pulls a gun on her, again accusing her of killing his son. She asks if he remembers everything, and he goes into a recap of the last few moments of that night. Gordon explains that there is a line, and he only tolerates the vigilantes in his city because they don't kill. Now there will be consequences. There will be consequences. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? Batgirl presses him about the details of that night, specifically focusing on how James Jr. was about to kill his own wife. She then tests him and tells him to shoot her if he really believes that she didn't do everything she could to save his wife. She then lays a low blow about Ricky, which of course makes Gordon feel guilt. Batgirl explains that he is human and flawed, and so is she, and she understands that he will not trust her unless there are no more secrets, and she removes her mask. He turns around and says he doesn't want to know. Tells her he won't arrest her, but she is not welcome there. Uh, what, what, what she planned uh, to visit. Batgirl leaves, sad at the fact that she was ready to reveal herself to her father, and he didn't want to know. Gordon picks up a family photo. Then the governor, I mean uh, James Jr., visits Nightfall, laughing at the fact that no one could kill his father if he couldn't. 
on her undamaged, how did that happen, cycle, Batgirl gets a call from Ricky's mother, who says that Ricky is awake, and Babs realizes that she has the one thing she thought she lost. Hope. <laughs> uh, next, we have Batgirl in Gothtopia. Wow, wow. So... You know, it flashes back. High school, loved Alias, and I used to talk with a uh, an upperclassman often about about it. And uh, I remember she she always used to complain about all the fingers that are lost in that show, which is very true. There are lots of cut off fingers, but I do wonder why are they going to cut off Gordon's fingers right here? What would be the point? Why did Batgirl need to use her bat cycle to burst through the house? And not use the front door. I feel like she could have kicked it down. Who knows? Uh, I thought it was a little too heavy. But I guess maybe she's element of surprise. Knocked him off guard. Maybe. Maybe we'll go with that. I liked how Bonebreaker said that Becker could barely face them individually. What are the odds against them all? And then Babs saying she's got a point. That right there was like the best, most clever, and most realistic writing I think we've seen in this book in a long time time because it's true she could barely fight them off individually what's she going to do with them and babs actually agrees with that statement heck yes that's what we're talking about i like how Batgirl breaks down the bad guys for her dad um just sort of giving them power sets and, and list of strengths and weaknesses the mini bat signal uh, that, that James had, well, I shouldn't say James because that's going to confuse people, that the commish has, would Batman, you know, have even seen that to come? And when did Gordon have this made? Did he actually think that there's going to come a time that I need a travel-sized bat signal? Seems a little ridiculous. You know what? I really like Batgirl in this issue. Uh, I feel like this is the most skilled work that we've actually seen of her thus far. Uh, she's smart and she's fighting really well. And she doesn't really go um, all bruiser on them, but she uses her intelligence and catches them off guard and uses them against each other just in these unforeseen ways. Uh, the Disgrace is proud of how Batgirl has grown up. And it's as if, you know they had something to do with it uh did they or was it just the circumstances that really pushed her to the breaking point but just it's a really weird conversation to have especially with Bonebreaker saying I'm proud of you weird 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 leaves a bad taste in my mouth I can only imagine Batgirl threw up after that as well Gordon man he talks like a drowning man all about how he knew his son and he knew how she killed him all of this stuff it just seems plum ridiculous and then you know Batgirl presses Gordon to shoot her if he feels that she didn't do everything that she could to save his wife but that isn't really the issue is it the wife is still alive that use of words and and how Simone puts it together it makes it seem like uh, she's dead she did everything she could to save her so I, I disagree with sort of that whole word bubble I feel like you need to take that back what she really should have said is that she did everything to not kill James Jr. and certainly it was sort of the last resort uh, then we have this reveal obviously um, let's talk about this a little bit I wish I had some people on here what do you think about this? Uh, you know, really trying to reveal herself to her father. Now, a, a good friend, I, I guess I could call him that. Uh, some people may call him uh, Donovan Morgan Grant. <laughs> you know, he really pulled out to me this this similarity to No Man's Land. Uh, and especially, actually, my like personal favorite issue, Legends of the Dark Knight number 125, is called Falling Back. 
Batman and, and Gordon, it's like the first time they've seen each other since Batman had gone away at that point. And, oh man, what's so wonderful about the issues, there's so much tension. And the tension is just in the panels. There are no words for a very long time. And he talks about trust. And um, he realizes, I mean, Gordon is really upset that obviously he left and everything. And Batman understands that you're not going to trust unless you know who I am. And we need to start off on this, this solid ground. And it's very similar with what Batgirl does here. And, of course, the reveal, Batman pulls it off. Gordon turns away, says he doesn't want to know. And the same happens here. So was this intentional by Simone to, to mirror that? Did you get a lot of her ideas from that? Do you think that that sort of weakened this? Uh, the fact that we can reference another comic that this happens in a very similar way? And, I mean, just... <sighs> the reactions of everyone. Um, you know, him turning away saying, I don't want to know whatever, I forgive you, I guess, begrudgingly, but you're not allowed, never come back into this house again. All of these things, him picking up the family photo, all of these things really push me to believe that he knows Babs is in fact Batgirl. Why would somebody say you're not allowed in this house? This is like the first time that she's actually ever been in his house before as Batgirl. So it feels like he's really like disavowing all knowledge, not only of her, but his, his daughter as well. Picking up the family photo, almost grieving what he lost with all of this. It just seems like really he knows that that Babs is in fact Batgirl and the question still remains how is this relationship going to continue now that you know it's I just think it's seated so deep in his mind that he he's always known just like he's always known about Bruce and just how are they going to continue on now and are we even going to see them interact between each other is it just going to be a really dysfunctional relationship right now but yeah, please, you know, write in and, and let me know what do you think about uh, these uh, this reveal and, and do you think it was a strong reveal or a weak reveal? And, and now that I pointed out this, this correlation with uh, No Man's Land, I mean, wh- how does that change it for you? But where do we go from here? I mean, I just wonder what's going to happen. The fact that James Jr. reveals himself and says, of course, you weren't going to be able to kill my father. If I couldn't, no one could. Is he ever going to really pull back from the darkness and, and, well, as in from the shadows and really reveal himself? Uh, Is that going to be the way that we get our Babs and, and father relationship back together. Who knows? Just, you know, he's been popping up a little bit each time, and, and I'm wondering what's going to happen. But, uh, you know, overall, I, especially just with the, the characterization of Batgirl, I, I think everything was really strong. It started to get a little weird with the Bonebreaker saying, I'm proud of you. And then at the very end, it was sort of, it, it lost it for me. But it, it was a better issue, I think, than I certainly was expecting. And of course, let's let's have a happy ending, I guess, and, and bring, well, Ricky's alive. He's alive. Again, I don't really care about Ricky. I think that was a forced play on us. Um, but whatever. Whatever. Uh, I'll give it a 7 out of 10. Yeah, so we've got background Gothtopia, and I'm uh, looking forward to see how that is handled and um, whether or not this imaginary world uh, is better than the real one that we're living in. 
Next up, we have Birds of Prey, number 26, uh, an end of sorts, just like Batgirl was, and this is called Torn Apart. The script is by Christy Marks, but the breakdown's by Scott McDaniel. Pencilers, uh, Roma, or penciler, Romano Molinar, inker, Jonathan Glapion, and colorist, Chris Sotomayor. Black Canary and Regulus continue fighting while Dinah tries to break through to her old teammate Dean Higgins, but really Regulus is having none of it, and he reveals that Amanda Waller was the one to resurrect Dinah's husband Kurt and keep him hidden from her. Dinah incapacitates Regulus for a time and opens Kurt's tank. Elsewhere, uh, my thoughts were correct, and Condor turns to help the birds and attack his old team. The birds do a good job and seem to have the upper hand as they fight smart and together. Back with Kurt and Dinah. Dinah kisses Kurt, asks for forgiveness. Of course, he is comatose, be aware. It's like Sleeping Beauty. And holds his hand. But this causes some adverse effects as Dinah's powers begin to build up. And, uh, well, she's ready to explode, or they are. Everywhere else in the vicinity, people who have powers are losing them or losing control. Regulus tries to take back his control, and Dinah explodes her canary cry over him to knock him out of the building. The rest of the birds go after Regulus while Batgirl goes down to help Dinah. She choke holds her in order to knock her out. Kurt's EEG spikes out of control. Batgirl takes off the sensors as if that's going to help anything. Regulus and Condor fight, then Strix and Regulus. Strix leaps with Regulus off a cliff, drops him, he screams, obviously, and Condor catches her. Everyone regroups, and as Condor makes his way toward Dinah, Batgirl steps in between, tells Condor to back off because she's with her husband. Next, we have Picking Up the Pieces, which I assume is the continuation of this story, not the Gothtopia story. So I feel like my main issue with this story is that it's just been going on for so long. Uh, I feel like it could have been collapsed to make it shorter, at least getting rid of the issue, uh, the middle issue where it's a lot of talking. The fight between Regulus and Dinah seems to have gone on for several issues, whether it was physical or verbal, and only now does it reach its conclusion. I liked powers getting out of control in different ways, but I do wonder how this can happen when Kurt is unconscious. It just seems like he would at least have to be awake in order to interact with Dinah like this. Batgirl knocks Dinah unconscious, which is, of course, a good decision, uh, but it's not really going to fix anything taking electrodes off of Kurt. I mean, he's still going to cause a bad reaction, obviously, as we have seen. This seems like an easy fix and one that science would not necessarily agree with, so let's just say I don't like it and it doesn't make sense. I'm most interested, though, I think, in what the next issue is going to bring. It's obviously time to move on with the story, but... We not only need to push forward with Kurt and the birds, we also need to be clear as to what happened with Regulus, the other members of Basilisk, and those that are held basically in captivity for experimentation. Just a lot of loose ends, and I'm wondering, are they going to be wrapped up through action or narration? Is this going to drag on? The Kurt story has gone on really since this uh, book has begun, and what's going to happen now? Sadly, my interest in this book has, has waned in the, in the last couple months, and I'm just ready for something new and exciting to happen. And I guess, again, we're going to be interrupted by Gothtopia, just another crossover. How many times has this happened? Multiple is the answer to that question. So we're going to be interrupted again, and then we're going to get back to this. Uh, but that's not really the break that I'm going to be looking forward to. I think Gothtopia is going to be interesting, but... 
I'm ready for like a wholly new story. It just feels like some freshness needs to be wet into this book. So I'm going to give it 7 out of 10 birds. Uh, this story just seems to have gone on for a little too long. I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to move on from Kurt Lance. Something needs to happen. I feel like, my gosh, do we need to add a new team member to throw some things in there? I actually really miss the old and original team, which apparently we're going to be getting uh, some info about that, though I don't know really how I feel about Batgirl being the narrator in that Ivy story. But, uh, yes. Anyways, 7 out of 10. Uh, now over to Chris for the Batman 66 review. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Batman 66 review segment. Glad you could make it. Thanks for downloading. I'm Chris, and I'll be reviewing Batman 66, number 6, cover dated February 2014 for a hard copy release, originally released in download format. Cover art by Michael and Laura Allred, variant cover art by Jonathan Case. Our first story is entitled The Conqueror Bookworm, and is written by Tom Payer, with art by Ty Templeton, colored by Tony Avina, and lettered by Wes Abbott. The story opens at the tri-weekly meeting of the Gotham Chamber of Currency, with Bruce Wayne in attendance and Robin the Boy Wonder giving a keynote speech. The bookworm and his henchpeople and paper, bookplate, and Joyce Carroll crash the event and make off with the Foundation's giant charity checkbook, but not before Robin manages to switch the bookworm's trick hat. Later, Batman goes on TV to announce that there will be a stop payment on all the giant checks. And in the bookworm's secret hideout, the old abandoned Gotham School Book Depository, the bookworm doesn't seem to be too worried for his plan is to have Batman try to track him down so he can collect every scrap of information of Batman for his Bat Encyclopedia and be able to learn Batman's thoughts even before he can think of them himself. Using his radio on his trick hat, the bookworm notices that the volume level is way too high and figures out that Robin must have switched the hats. But not before Batman has eavesdropped on the bookworm's plan and now worries that bookworm may eventually find out that Batman is also millionaire Bruce Wayne. The bookworm strikes twice more, once at Dickens' matchbook boutique, and stealing all of the brand new Gotham City Police rule books so the police will be unable to operate by the book. With Batman knowing Bookworm is collecting information, Batman has deliberately left Bookworm clues that would only make sense to him to make the Bookworm think that Batman is really Alfred, leading him to stately Wayne Manor where Alfred says he's not really Batman, and Batman and Robin come out of hiding and take out the criminals in a bat fight. Tom Payer seemed to have a lot of fun writing this. The story had a lot of puns, in-tone narrations, and holy exclamations by Robin, all the typical trappings of the trademark 66 TV series. Payer did his homework, too, knowing that the bookworm lost his temper once on the TV series and read a book entitled The Secret of Success, Self-Control. And here, in this comic, throwing a book entitled Anger Management, How to Control Your Temper Today. I had no problems with Ty Templeton's artwork. I especially liked the Adam West likeness to Bruce Wayne. The story was decent enough, but there was no cliffhanger. The bookworm was one of my favorite villains from the TV series, and he was played brilliantly by the late Roddy McDowell, who also voiced the Mad Hatter in the 90s Batman animated TV series. The book's other story is Queen of the Cossacks, written by Jeff Parker, art by Todd Nafa, colored by Tony Avina, and lettered by Wes Abbott. Our story opens at the snowy, non-urban outskirts of Gotham City, with Batman and Robin trekking on the hills of a forest, and Batman wearing bat-shaped snowshoes, and Robin using the bat-wave detector to find something called the Deuteranium Agitator, a device used by Olga, Queen of the Cossacks, that she herself doesn't even know what it does, but uses it to lure Batman and Robin into a trap where they are surrounded by bears. The story then shifts to Gotham City Library, 
where Barbara Gordon is moving an occult book to a display under glass in the library's new Arcana section. A tease for the future story, no doubt, and I suspect one that will feature the villains is Dr. Cassandra and perhaps her husband, Kabbalah. And was it just me, or did Barbara seem to act a bit cold as if she was under some sort of spell? Meanwhile, Batman has since calmed the grizzly bears and takes them to Olga's hideout. A bat fight ensues with the Cossacks and Olga surrendering by kissing Batman. This was a lighthearted story that seemed to be just a bored villainess, still pining for Egghead, reminiscent of their team-ups in the TV series, and expressing some feelings for Batman here. Olga was played by Anne Baxter in the Batman TV series. I like the use of the lesser TV villains here, and each of them having their own moment. This was a solid issue, and I'm giving Batman 66 a total of 7 out of 10 bats. What other lesser-known villain or villains will appear next in Batman 66? What other villainess played by Anne Baxter soon will make an appearance in Batman 66? How soon will Batgirl return to Batman 66? These and other questions to be answered this coming year. Some sooner than others. Next time, same Stella time, same Stella sight. Next up we have Babs in the Tube. The Adventures of Batman with Robin Boy Wonder. Batman and Robin, dynamic duo against crime and corruption, whose real identities as millionaire philanthropist Bruce Wayne and his young ward Dick Grayson are known only to Alfred the Faithful Butler. Ever alert, they respond swiftly to a signal from the police, and moments later, from the secret Batcave deep beneath Wayne Manor, they roar out to protect life, limb, and property as Batman and Robin, cake crime fighters. Batman and Robin, scourge of Gotham City's kooky criminals. The Joker, clown prince of crime. The Penguin, pudgy purveyor of perfidy. And the cool, cruel Mr. Freeze. Watch out, villains. Here come Batman and Robin. Remember? And wow, you really do need to remember this because it's been a while. Uh, this is the segment where I examine an individual appearance of Barbara Gordon in the media, whether it be TV or film. And currently I'm watching the 1968 Batman Superman Hour or Batman with Robin the Boy Wonder. So this is episode 7, season 1, episode 7. And the four, or I guess the group of shorts were but Partners in Peril. The Underworld Underground Caper, The Ghost of Kilbane Castle, and The Monster Molecule. And the air date was uh, the 26th of October in 1968. So it's starring Olin Sewell as Batman slash Bruce Wayne and Alfred Pennyworth. Casey Kasem as Robin slash Dick Grayson. Jane Webb as Batgirl slash Barbara Gordon and Catwoman. Larry Storch as Joker. And Ted Knight as narrator, Commissioner Gordon, Penguin, and Riddler. So, a short synopsis, the Joker, the Penguin, and the Riddler, oh my, have a contest to see which of them can pull off the greatest crime and take over the uh, criminal empire in Gotham. Uh, So, take a listen to part one and part two. Gotham Square, where city officials are gathered to honor Gotham's two most famous citizens. Batman and Robin are due any moment now, Mr. Mayor. Fine, Commissioner, fine. Dad, look up there. Great Day, toy umbrellas. It's the penguin. (laughs) 
yet. Robin, activate batapults. Check. Returning the statues and delivering you to the police. Guess again, masked manhunter. The Joker plank. <laughs> Yo! Parachutes. Well. We saved the statues. Yes, but we've lost our man. Soon, in a deserted carnival, the dread duo becomes a terrible trio. Remember the rules of our contest, Riddler. Sure. The one who pulls off the most daring crime will take over Gotham City's crime empire. <laughs> right. You muffed your chance, bird brain. Now let's see who gets the next crack at it. Your turn, puzzle puss. <laughs> Just watch me go. What do you think that devilish duo's up to, Batman? Beats me, Robin. We'll just have to play it cool and see what develops. You won't have long to wait, Batman. That night, near the underground vaults, where Gotham Laboratory stores its precious, visionable material. Almost finished, Riddler. <laughs> By now, my riddle clue should be reaching the masked manhunters. Address me, Commissioner? Yes, it just arrived by messenger. Read it to me, please. Batman, riddle me this. What is found beneath the ground? It rhymes with malt and salt. What's up? The Riddler's given us a real brain teaser this time, Robin. Can you figure it out, Barbara? No, Dad, and I haven't time for games now. Must rush back to the library. See you. Rhymes with malt and salt. Right. Now, where is a vault found beneath the ground? The storage vaults of Gotham Lab. Good thinking, chum. Peekaboo. <laughs> the Riddler. Another Riddler. And another. And another. And another. What's going on here? <laughs> I warn you. Stop or we'll shoot you all down. Fire! Just balloons, filled with gas, Slip. sleeping gas. <laughs> Come on, men, into the vaults. Meanwhile, in the hushed atmosphere of Gotham Library... Salt vault. And there's only one underground vault in Gotham City. I don't care if the dynamic duo like it or not. Batgirl is joining them. There's a fortune in plutonium stored here. Don't overlook a single drop. Didn't you overlook something, Riddler? The taped crime fighters. Riddle them with your fists. Honey, man. Puny joke, Robin. Look out. One batarang coming up. He couldn't have gotten very far. There he is. He's as good as caught. Oh, my eyes. Where'd that come from? I'm sorry, Batman. I was only trying to help. And you did. To help the Riddler escape. Easy, Robin. It was an accident. 
more concerned about this crime partnership. Now it's my turn to try for king. And for my keeper, I intend to wipe out Batman and Robin. The big question is, why have our three arch enemies joined forces? Perhaps, sir, they mean to throw you off guard so they can perpetrate a massive caper. Alfred's got a point, Bruce. No, I think they're up to something much bigger than robbery. As Gotham Bank readies an armored car shipment. Watch this magnet operate. <laughs> Look out! Hey, I'm Jumpmobile! Good! There goes a bad signal. To outrace the Batmobile. While dragging the armored car. Bird brains, I want Batman to catch up to me. I don't get it, Batman. Nor do I. This seems too easy. Those bad birds are gaining fast, Joker. <laughs> Relax. I prepared a feeding gambit for them, and this will flip them. <laughs> The Joker finally had the last laugh on the cowl crime fighters. Don't miss the thrill-packed conclusion coming up next. The dynamic duo, in hot pursuit of three arch-villains who've stolen an armored car full of money, are taken by surprise when a drawbridge, triggered by the Joker, springs open suddenly, flinging the Batmobile high into the air. Farewell, cowl! Crusaders! <laughs> Activate hover jets. On. They're back on the road. We're finished. I'll release the armored car. Maybe we can lose them. But what's this? Another complication? Attention, Joker. Who's that? This is a friend. Take next right turn and... Secret entrance. Where could they have vanished to? Where in blazes are we? <laughs> the Catwoman! Holy needle in a haystack! We'll never find him now! You're right, Chum. I'm afraid we've lost this round. You heard about our contest? Yes! And I knew you couldn't succeed separately. So, now I offer you a deal. What sort of a deal? To join me in a scheme to take control of Gotham City. Now three of them have teamed up. Right, Commissioner. That's why I suggest the entire police department be placed on 24-hour alert. Paralyze the police department? Brilliant idea, my felonious feline. But how do we accomplish that feat? Destroy mobility. Eliminate communications. Capture weapons. But you must strike swiftly. Gordon here. What? Who 
is this? Hunger? Hmm. Commissioner Gordon to Batman, I've just received an anonymous tip that the Penguin is planning to wreck the police communication center. We're on our way. And so am I, Batman. Hurry, crime fighters. For this little man waddling into the communication center is up to no good. Only authorized personnel permitted in here. I've authorized myself. It's the Penguin. Stand back. I'm electrocute the first bird who approaches. Try us, Penguin. Aim at one and the other will get you. And if he won't, I will. Nasty little man. What's your hurry? Ah! Stay a while. He's all yours, officers. All Port Gordon, proceed to junction at... Main Street and Gotham Boulevard. <laughs> How they in for a surprise? That last signal may tie in with a tip-off that the Riddler's planning to foul up police transportation. Now a mass of police cars responding to the Riddler's phony signal rush into his trap. out of this makes my friends activate the bat dozer bat dozer operative welcome aboard riddler he's all yours bat girl see he's safely tucked away in a cell and right now at the entrance to the gotham police arsenal what's that Mechanical choker toy. Another anonymous tip. It's just plain crazy. Crazy or not, we've got to check it out. It's a time bomb scatter. And if we join you, Joker, here's your net result. Ow! Shoot them down! Without guns? Here, fellas! Have some more guns! Please, Joker, don't go away mad. You female! Correct. I was tipped off to every one of those crimes. Which one of you creeps ratted? The Riddler. Me? <laughs> Why you? Hold it. How could any of you squeal on all three? Right. It had to be someone else. Catwoman! Look, down there! That must be Catwoman's hideout. Set instruments for automatic hover. Camouflage tiger trap. Now, Catwoman shall reign as queen of the underworld. Unless <laughs> you can escape those razor-sharp fangs below. <laughs> Bat tortures, Robin. Roger. Catwoman, look! Wow! They melted the steel teeth. Wow! We'd better get out of here! 
wanna bet? Congratulations, masked manhunters. Once again, you have averted catastrophe. Thank you, sir, but I think Batgirl deserves some credit. Don't you, Robin? Well, I suppose so. I often wonder who Batgirl really is. Well, there you have it. Pretty interesting one. Uh, you know, I always like seeing a team-up of sorts between villains. Uh, I'm always excited to see Sinister Six with Spider-Man. Um, and I, I don't know. I just think it's great to see their interactions and then just how they're able to to um, really test the limits of the heroes. It's also great to see Batman give Batgirl her due and, of course, Robin begrudgingly. But it, it seems like she's getting more respect as time goes by. Well, next up, we have Reading with Stella. presents Batgirl to Dare the Darkness by Doug Mensch, a story taking place in the Batman and Robin the Movie universe. Copyright 1997, Little, Brown, and Company, New York. Chapter 5, Big Things The first thing you must understand, Roman Siona said, is that the most advanced computer in the world is a total idiot. The Wayne Tech Company was housed in a large Gothic building, whose exterior gargoyles of medieval design protected an interior of gleaming futurism. Site of some of the most advanced computer equipment on the planet, Wayne Tech was an ideal place to learn on the job, and an internship here was every computer student's dream. Located just beyond the heart of the city, the building was some 20 minutes from Wayne Manor by motorcycle, always Barbara's vehicle of choice. And yet the power of that computer, Sionis continued, is incredible, making its creators seem even lower than idiots, as it performs enough calculations per second to daunt a thousand human brains. That is the paradox which Wayne Tech's CompuLink program sinks to address. Now, my fine young sub-idiots, Sionis intoned with a smile. How do we turn the moron which is smarter than us into a genius? Arriving early, Barbara had spent some time getting to know the three fellow interns who were also here for their first day on the job. 
And now, in one of the main labs, the four of them were listening to a welcoming speech by their new boss, the head of Wayne Tech's CompuLink program. No one wishes to hazard a guess, Roman Sionis coaxed. The computer is a brilliant idiot that can run rings around us in many ways. How do we make it even smarter? Barbara looked at the other three interns. They seemed clueless, so she decided to speak up. By using the human brain's one advantage over computers? Which is, Sionis encouraged, the ability to reason, to weigh choices and make decisions? Very good, Miss Wilson, Sionis said. We must teach the computer to think as well as calculate. Right now, computers do one thing very well, and that is what makes them brilliant. The fact that they can't do much else is what makes them dumb. The limited human brain, on the other hand, is far more versatile. Even though it cannot hope to compete on the computer's specialized level, it can do many things very well. And that is what makes it superior. The human mind, after all, created the computer. But I can't imagine a computer creating Albert Einstein. Barbara was fascinated. The other interns looked at her as she spoke again. Then, the CompuLink program's goal is to design a computer that functions like the human brain? Roman Sionis was visibly pleased. Precisely, Miss Wilson, he said. And the key is literally within our own heads. We talk of making computers more user-friendly, but that is possible only if the users are actual friends. And I don't know about you, but I find it extremely difficult to become friends with a cold, dumb machine. <coughs> Sometimes, one of the interns cracked, I want to punch my laptop. Or pitch the thing right out a window, another agreed. Exactly, Sionis responded. So we must establish a common ground in the interface between human and machine. The gulf between us must be bridged. And since no human wants to become more like a machine, we must force the machine to become more like a human. Mr. Sionis, Barbara said, can you tell us how Wayne Tech is approaching this problem? Pretty much by groping in the dark, Miss Wilson. Since the workings of the human mind remain largely a mystery, we really don't know how to approach it. But we're trying two things. First is brute force. Sionis swept a hand around the lab, indicating the awesome array of mainframe computers, all state-of-the-art. And second is a primitive mimicry of the one human brain process we do understand. Parallel linkage of all these mainframes? Barbara asked. Sionis looked at her. Now I am impressed, Miss Wilson. Your deduction is quite correct. Normal computer processing functions in serial fashion, in a line, as it were, to perform calculations from one step to the next. We think this is clumsy and laborious, so we want to devote all the enormous power of each mainframe to a separate, specialized task. Then we hope to force them all to work together at the same time, in tandem, to create a synergy, a whole that is greater than the sum of its individual parts. <laughs> Almost like a hive bud, one of the other interns said, which amounts to a single human intelligence. Indeed, 
Sinus replied, but without the human mind's capacity for independence. We want decision-making, but not to the point of disobedience. Whatever we do, we must ensure that these computers remain machines, enslaved to a master controller, to the human operator's commands. After all, we don't want mentally superior entities suddenly deciding we're too dumb to rule the world. Even if it's true, asked one of the interns, especially since it's true. Especially since it's true, Barbara said. And they all laughed, including Roman Sionis. You'll learn more details as we go along, he said. Now let's tame and train some brains, shall we? Are you talking about the computers, Barbara asked, or our brains? Both, Sionis smiled, although I'm not sure which will prove more difficult. By the end of Barbara's first day, the other interns were calling her teacher's pet. It suited her just fine. And by the end of her first week, Barbara was on a first-name basis with her boss. Roman seemed to think the world of her, and spoke glowingly of her aptitude for computer work. Barbara, he said, you could have a real future with Wayne Tech, preferably right here with me. You already understand this program on an intuitive level, better than some of the techs who've been here for years. Barbara beamed with pride. Batgirl seemed long ago and far away. Meanwhile, even as Barbara was enjoying her success at Wayne Tech, Gotham suffered an all-out crime wave, launched by the Black Mask Gang. Night after night, Batman and Robin arrived at crime scenes just moments too late, and even when several of the crimes were foiled, resulting in the capture of more false facers, the onslaught continued unabated. There were simply too many criminals, and no way for the two heroes to be everywhere at once. The Black Mask Gang has grown too large, Batman said sternly. At this point... Criminals are flooding into Gotham from other cities just to join up. It's like fighting the many tentacles of the mythical Hydra. This Hydra, Robin said. Anybody ever stop it? Only by cutting off its head. And in this case, the head is Black Mask himself. Robin sighed. I knew you'd say that. But the Dark Knight was even more disturbed by the targets of certain crimes. Special generators, advanced technology specs and blueprints, transmitting and receiving devices... They were unusual items to steal, and suggested a motive beyond mere greed or profit. Black Mask is collecting things, he decided, with a greater goal in mind. Something big, bigger, Robin wanted to know, than this full-scale mega-crime wave. Yes, Batman replied with certainty. A lot bigger. Three nights later, the inhabitants of Wayne Manor were in the dining room finishing their soup. It was the second week of Barbara's internship at Wayne Tech, and her relations with Bruce and Dick were cordial, but chilly. Bruce had not even mentioned Batgirl since the last night in the cave, and Dick hadn't said another word on the subject either, not since their disastrous talk in Barbara's room. Alfred entered from the kitchen, carrying a large serving platter, and wearing a look of understated woe. The main course, Master Bruce, he said, but I'm afraid it's just been spoiled by a certain signal in the sky. Bruce was out of his chair like a shot, not even looking out the dining room windows as he headed straight for the main hall and the grandfather clock. It was time for the Batman. Dick also rose quickly, but paused to snatch a potato from Alfred's platter and look across the table at Barbara. Still playing hard to get, he asked, or do you want to join us again? No thanks, Barbara said. I'm going back to Wayne Tech tonight. Roman asked me to put in some overtime on the CompuLink program. Then she dabbed napkin to mouth, smiling sweetly but with her eyes hard. And glittering. And golly gee, she added, looks like I'll get a second helping tonight. 
Dick's face was sour as he waved a hand in dismissal, stuffed the potato in his mouth, and hustled after Bruce. Alfred, Barbara said. Let's see. The butler warily shook his head. No emergency, Commissioner Gordon said, or nothing new to report. He was pacing in front of the rooftop beacon, shoulders hunched in his light trench coat. I don't get it, Robin said. Then why'd you slap the bat signal on the sky? I'm not really sure, Gordon answered. Just antsy, I guess. I just say, Batman, Black Mask is building up to something big, and we still don't have a clue. The whole thing has been eating at me. Wish we were eating at something, Robin muttered. Batman shot him a look. Go on, Commissioner. Well... We've had the first batch of false facers in custody for two weeks now, and nothing's changed. They're still acting like zombies. Won't give up so much as their names. They claim they can't even remember their names. Are they still being kept here at headquarters, in holding cells? Until their trial, Gordon said. Yes. And your evidence room is just down the hall? Yes. And their masks are being stored in that evidence room? Gordon stopped pacing, wondering what Batman was getting at. Except for the mask you took, yes. Then I don't think they're acting, Batman said. I suspect they're telling the truth. They probably can't remember their own names. Gordon thrust his chin out. What are you getting at? EDOM, Commissioner. And A-R-H-I-C. Robin snapped his head. He'd forgotten all about those two strange terms. Batman had been on the verge of explaining them when Barbara interrupted with her melodramatic resignation as Batgirl, killing all further discussion in the cave. You're talking about what? Gordon said. Two very evil mind-controlling programs, Batman explained, practiced by various spy agencies. His eyes grew distant, and he slowly made fists before continuing. EDOM stands for Electronic Dissolution of Memory, a process in which electromagnetic waves are used to literally erase a subject's personality. And RHIC stands for Radio Hypnotic Intracerebral Control, in which other waves interfere with a subject's brainwave patterns and actually take control of brain functions. Gordon was incredulous. You mean the false facers are nothing but remote-controlled robots? And the control waves are coming from those mystery chips in the mass? Batman nodded. But if you're right, Gordon went on. Why haven't my officers been affected by the masks? Why haven't we been affected? I'm not sure, Batman admitted. But I suspect the EDOM waves are emitted only for a short period after the masks are first activated. That's probably what does all the damage. After that, the mass chips may shift to a different maintenance frequency, harmless to anyone who hasn't undergone the initial phase. Try moving the masks in the evidence room. Out of range of the prisoners. They may come to their senses and start talking, but I wouldn't count on it. My guess is their memories have been destroyed forever, along with their ability to think. Gordon gaped at him. They're brain dead? Not in a medical sense, Batman replied, but close enough. Robin let out a long, low whistle. If Batman was right, then Black Mask really was dealing in big things. To be continued. Next up is my literature recommendation, and uh, I'm continuing to read the Game of Thrones series. It's funny because it's really not the Game of Thrones series, though. That's really what um, people, they realize what it is when you say it. Uh, technically, it's a song of uh, ice and fire, right? Or fire and ice. Uh, that's really the, the series name, but I'm, I'm so enjoying that. I just finished A Feast for Crows, and that is book four. And it's, that one's really different because you're getting the point of views from people that you normally don't, like Jamie and Brienne and Circe. And then uh, you get brief ones, or I shouldn't say brief because all the chapters are longer. Uh, you get 
far in between chapters with Samuel Tarly and Arya, but not very many. Got some characters uh, in the Iron Islands and then others that are in Dorne. Uh, so just a cast of characters that you're not really used to. And some of them are like, what was it, the like the drowned priest I think is one so you get really interesting titles instead of giving names to people and I think you know some people may not have liked this one as much and I I, I think it's believable just because you're missing some fan favorites like uh, Tyrion and, and John and and Daenerys and everything I liked it because you get to see a different side of people and uh, it'll be interesting. I started dance a dra- or a dance with dragons now, but it'll be interesting because I know that's sort of running side by side. But I really I enjoyed the Jamie and Brienne chapters as well as the uh, the things that were going on in Dorne. And you know I dislike Jamie. You know the Lannisters. I'm like ugh, can't stand them really. Tyrion, he, like he's I I enjoy him because it seems like he has a moral code. He understands sort of right and wrong, and and he does have this struggle between uh, family and what he believes to be right and everything. Jamie just seemed like oh my gosh, he's like it's always going to be for his family, and he's not really that good of a guy. But you really start to see the influence that Brienne had on him throughout. Y- you see a significant change in his character, especially sort of with his last action that you see, which I think is awesome and I certainly have some theories but since it's difficult to fast forward on podcasts I don't really want to give anything away in order to uh, I don't want to spoil anything you know for people uh, because the theories obviously have to take some things for granted that you know what's going on but I I do recommend I mean I I continue to recommend that more for perhaps adult audiences there is an eighth grader reading Game of Thrones and while it's fun they're like two sides of me while it's fun to be able to discuss it you know with somebody um and and be able to you know relate to a student on that way you know they I think they enjoy that as well it's also like oh my gosh why are you reading that novel I felt the same way when you know you wrote the dragon tattoo that happened a couple years ago uh I do also recommend that you give detective comics number 27 that oversized issue a shot um and of course we we talk about it over at the Batman universe um and there is sort of a debate as, because the solicitation sort of lied to us in the fact that there were other stories solicited uh, but they didn't pop up and it was short of 100 uh, sort of missing 15 pages and we wondered what happened there but I actually, on that show, I gave it, I think, a 5 out of 5. I love the stories, uh, some of them more than others, but uh, there were just some really great things in there. And, of course, if you want to know what's going to go on with Gothtopia, it all starts there in that final story. Uh, so, yeah, those are my two literature recommendations. I guess a little different, uh, or perhaps not. Who knows? Uh, remember, you can continue to send questions or comments to Oracle at gmail.com. If you've got thoughts on any of the stories that I've read, please send them my way. And you can email me as Mike did you know baby come back I came back or you can post them on I guess Facebook I yeah or uh, Twitter or you could even uh, post them just in the, the the Batman universe the website the comment section there under the episode and everything please like BTO on Facebook or follow me on Twitter background Oracle and uh, like the Batman universe on Facebook as well once again, thanks to Mile High Comics and Tweaked Audio for sponsoring Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gorham podcast. And thanks also to bcbd.com, that's a big cartoon database, for the episode summary for Partners in Peril. Until next time, enjoy snow if you're getting it. Hopefully the power stays on for you guys, though. Until next time, fly on, Babs lovers. Just plain Barbara Gordon. 
masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll. Batgirl! Ah, I love a happy ending, don't you?